Tuesday, everybody, and welcome to the David Glenn Show. Hope your afternoon is off to a fantastic start. We have some fun in store for you today, including the National Football League. We will talk with Will Brinson of CBS Sports on, among other things, the Cowboys, the Saints, the Jets, the Ravens, the Dolphins, the Patriots, and yes, of course, your Carolina Panthers. Did you know Zion Williamson, now of the NBA's New Orleans Pelicans, dropped by Saints practice and even had a combination football-basketball contest against the legendary quarterback Drew Brees. Spoiler alert, Brees won on a basketball three-pointer after Zion kept up pretty nicely on the football side of things. And as some Saints assistant coaches started to imagine Zion Williamson, 6'7", 280 plus, as either a tight end or a defensive end, you may know that the Pelicans and the Saints are owned by the same people and work right across the parking, parking lot from one another. Le'Veon Bell has finally reached out to you, the fantasy football owner, on social media and apologized for all of you picking him last year only to be left holding an empty bag when he never played for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Now of the New York Jets, Le'Veon promises to help bring you a trophy this time. The Miami Dolphins said that veteran Ryan Fitzpatrick is clearly ahead of fellow quarterback newcomer Josh Rosen in the team's quarterback competition. And in New England, there's yet another Bill Belichick product or project. An LSU quarterback named Danny Etling is looking really comfortable at wide receiver and on special teams. A just-for-fun preseason glance at the frequent Super Bowl champion. Meanwhile, Jerry Jones of the Dallas Cowboys has a message, not exactly a friendly one, for his holdout running back, Ezekiel Elliott. The Cowboys under Jason Garrett, by the way, go through morning yoga sessions prior to actual football works workouts. That's not something you heard about much in previous decades in the pro sports world. But Jason Garrett says he remembers Kareem Abdul-Jabbar adopting yoga when he got a little bit older way back in his NBA career. He remembers Jason Garrett does working out personally himself with a younger version of the Cowboys quarterback Troy Aikman or even hockey player Mike Madano. And yes, his team's medical and training staff like yoga for the 2019 Dallas Cowboys. Good for flexibility, good for longevity, good for football. We'll see. We'll talk football with Will Brinson of CBS Sports in hour number two. Golf has descended upon the great state of North Carolina once again. We have at least two PGA Tour stops every year. Wells Fargo in Charlotte at Quail Hollow, that one in the books long ago. The Wyndham Championship at Sedgefield Country Club in Greensboro. That one is not underway competitively until Thursday. But the events are already underway. Golf legend Annika Sorenstam among those yesterday entertaining the masses. We'll talk Wyndham Championship. We'll talk Tiger Woods. We'll talk Brooks Kepka and the 2019 golf year with Curtis Strange. He is a major champion in his own right from his playing days. Nowadays, an outstanding golf analyst for ESPN and Fox Sports. He spends a lot of time at the beach here in the Carolinas. Curtis Strange on golf in hour number two. Will Brinson on the NFL in hour number three. 
agree. And a special guest today, did you know that there are already people who have earned their way into next summer's Olympics in Tokyo, Japan? Now, eventually, a, si a nation the size of ours that is as good at sports as we are will send 500-plus athletes to the Summer Olympics. Ashley Twitchell, whose family is here in North Carolina, who is a Duke graduate and who works out, among other places, at the Triangle Aquatic Center right here in Cary, North Carolina. Ashley Twitchell was the first person, along with another swimmer, the first two people, to qualify for Team USA for next year's Olympics in Tokyo, Japan. Ashley will join us today. She's an amazing story. She's only 30 years old, which to me sounds young. But as I say hello to my very young staff, Darren Vaught represents the 20s and 30-somethings in our audience because he's right smack in the middle of those. I represent the 40s and 50s of somethings in our audience because I'm right smack dab in the middle of them. I also just must, by default, have to represent the senior citizens and others in higher age brackets. I think of 30 as young as I look through the glass and see Darren near that number and my staff much younger than that. Ashley Twitchell, who will join us third hour, listen to this. She has been winning medals for our country for a decade. So, you know, almost a full 10 years and, of course, did great things while, play, while swimming for the Blue Devils of Duke. With her qualification earlier this month to be on Team USA at the Summer Olympics next year, she became the oldest person in more than a decade to qualify for the USA in the Olympics as a first-time Olympian. So she's an Olympic rookie at 30. The last time there was an older Olympic rookie for our country was 1908. Now, I don't want to ask Ashley questions about being old. She's 30. But that's a big number, first since 1908, right? Ashley Twitchell will be wearing the red, white, and blue at the Olympics. She's already done that with distinction for a full decade. She is an amazing story. She does have a lot of family and friends here in our backyard. We're happy to have her Team USA Olympic swimmer, Ashley Twitchell, dropping by midway through hour number three. We have time, of course, for your participation throughout today's program. Among the things we'll get to beyond the NFL and the golf world and the other things I mentioned, Major League Baseball is A, two-thirds of the way through its marathon of a regular season, B, one day away from its new trade deadline. It is one time and one time only, and it's tomorrow. And a few deals have been made, right? Marcus Stroman, former Duke star from the Jays to the Mets. I know the Phillies just got Jason Vargas, another starting pitcher from the Mets to the Phillies. Phillies kind of on the wild card bubble. The Mets a little bit lower than that. Who's a buyer? Who's a seller? We know that the Yankees would like another starting pitcher. We know Darren Vaught's Red Sox would like some bullpen help. So even if you're one of the best teams, Yankees, Astros, Dodgers, etc., you'd like to tweak what you have, and you're a buyer. If you're that next level, and remember, Darren's Red Sox were the World Series champions and just took three out of four from the Yankees. He was there at Fenway on Saturday evening in person. If you're the Red Sox, I still think you're dangerous. 
but you might want to get a little bit better in the next 24 hours before the trade deadline if you really want to make a run, not only at a playoff spot, and they're right around the wild card bubble as we speak, but maybe just being dangerous again once you get to the postseason. We'll talk baseball today, trade deadline today, college football players, most places in the country report on Thursday and begin practice on Friday, so that's on our mind as well. I have some crazy stories for you. How about this one? Why were almost 40 golfers without their clubs yesterday at what was supposed to be a practice day for the women's version of the British Open? The answer involves a lost passport, a rush hour traffic snafu, a missed ferry ride, a large van carrying all of those clubs, and it resulted in some very, very unhappy LPGA professionals at practice day for the Women's British Open just yesterday. American Lexi Thompson is on the wrong end of all the angry women at that event. I'll elaborate on what that means. And if you're a sports TV consumer, did you know that if you happen to be a DISH satellite subscriber or customer, they have about 10 million nationally. You just recently lost access to among, I think it's 20 plus regional sports networks around here in our statewide audience, Fox Sports South, Fox Sports Southeast, and Fox Sports Carolinas. Darren, you and I attend a lot of Carolina Hurricanes games. We occasionally visit the Hornets in Charlotte. The best I know, unless they're on national TV, the way we consume them for games where we're not in attendance would include Fox Sports Southeast for the Hornets and Fox Sports Carolinas for the Hurricanes. You mean to tell me if you're a Hurricanes fan and you don't have access to Fox Sports Carolinas now that they're good again and relevant again, you're going to just put up with that? I don't think so. We have the ACC Network launching on August 22nd, carrier debates and issues and negotiations unfolding there. Maybe if you're a Hornets fan, you're happy. Like the Dish Network just committed a mercy killing of sports of sorts, and you're not allowed to watch the Hornets this coming year unless they strike a new deal. Hurricanes fans, Fox Sports Carolinas, again, depending on how you consume your pay TV, that, that situation and picture just got a little trickier. Dish is the fourth largest pay TV carrier in the United States with those 10 million or so customers nationally. And that is not the kind of thing that is going to happen less frequently move, moving forward. We'll get into more of that. Late yesterday, the U.S. Soccer Federation responded publicly to the many public complaints from U.S. women's national team players and even some members of Congress and certainly lots of American fans that the governing body of soccer here in USA discriminates against the far more competitively successful U.S. women and in favor of the far less competitively successful U.S. men. U.S. soccer told its side of the story late yesterday. I'll give you that update. You can decide on your own what you think. Quick reminder on those topics, there are two entirely different debates between what the Women's World Cup pays the men versus paying the women. Huge gap, but that's not the United States of America's turf. They have a voice in that room, but when I say two totally different debates, that's what I mean. The Women's World Cup versus the Men's World Cup and that huge financial gap is a separate debate. It's a worthy debate, but it's an entirely separate debate. The U.S. women versus the U.S. men and the U.S. Soccer Federation 
as the pipeline through which the money flows, well, that's, that's a closer-to-home debate. That's here in our backyard. That is closer to apples to apples, and it is a debate about equal pay and fair pay and equitable pay and all the rest. I'll get into those details and welcome your questions and comments as well. 1-800-849-2761. Three great guests, U.S. Olympian Ashley Twitchell from the pool, third hour. Will Brinson on all things football, second hour. Curtis Strange, major golf champion and golf analyst extraordinaire, second hour on the Wyndham Championship and the year in golf as Jordan Spieth, Patrick Reed, Webb Simpson, and others descend upon Sedgefield Country Club in Greensboro. Great chance for you to see many of the best players in the world, again, starting competitive action on Thursday. What happens to the sports fans who become social media memes because of their caught-on-camera reactions to something that happens during a big game. Man, I was hoping you and Mick at Fenway would somehow become a social media meme, Darren. <laughs> you can't plan for that, right? I don't no, think. I don't think so. Like, shirtless Wolfpack guy. Remember him celebrating a big win at Carter-Finley? I don't think he planned that. He just happened to be a supersized guy. His big belly was out there wiggling as he was twirling a towel in celebration of a big Wolfpack victory. He became a meme. I could this is years later, right? He's still a famous meme. David Hale of ESPN actually caught up with shirtless Wolfpack guy. Did you ever see FSU book guy? <laughs> yeah. Like Clemson is crushing the Seminoles so badly. I think it was 52 to 3 that they panned to a mostly vacant section of the stadium. And there's a Florida State fan with his shirt off, clearly enjoying some summer paperback reading, right? While the game is continuing to be played, <laughs> FSU versus Clemson. They caught up with shirtless Wolfpack guy, FSU book guy. If I said LSU death stare girl, would you know who oh, I'm talking about? Oh, for sure. About? That's a relatively oh recent gosh. one. How about the Surrender Cobra Michigan man? Yep. <laughs> Michigan's about to win a big game, and it goes wrong at the end, and he's, he goes surrender. Remember he had glasses? Well, he's like a grown man now. He's out there somewhere in the working world. They found Surrender, surrender Cobra Michigan man. And do you remember the sad UVA guy? Where UVA's His about body's draped over draped the wall, right? Draped over the edge of the, the, the basically the balcony <laughs> of the stadium. He's in the front row. Something horribly goes wrong to snatch defeat from the jaws of victory, as the saying goes. And he slumps over that wall, and now he's a meme as well. They found that guy. All these people live real lives. I'll, I'll give a shout-out to David Hale of ESPN for catching up with all of them and share some of their memories. In case you were wondering, do they still get, like in airports or on sidewalks, photo requests to this day? Years later, answer yes. One of them estimated that he may be closing in on a 1,000 photo requests, all because the meme will not die they, they're calling the article in part the meme team which i think is kind of creative we'll have some fun with that story three great guests later matt wants in on equal pay or equitable pay in the soccer world you can chime in with your questions or comments at 1-800-849-2761 i'll follow up on that crazy golf story 
You can't play golf without clubs, can you? That happened heading into the British Women's Open this week. More on that crazy story, the baseball trade deadline, updates from all over NFL training camps, a look ahead to college football training camps with almost everybody getting underway this Thursday or Friday, a little bit on a lot of other things, and a special treat today. We have not only our very popular classic sports movie challenge offering prizes to you for simply being able to identify the audio from a classic sports movie. That is a July-only presentation here on the David Glenn Show, so you're running out of chances to win there. We will have a classic sports movie challenge later, along with dazzling details that you thought you knew a movie well, and yet our interns dig out fascinating yet little-known tidbits about some of our favorite classic sports movies. We'll also have today Ron Rivera in his own words from Panthers Camp, Luke Keekley in his own words from Panthers Camp, and Cam Newton in his own words from Panthers Camp. Can we call Peter King our correspondent? I don't know. That might be stretching it a little bit. We often have live guests from Spartanburg. Peter King is a longtime friend of the show and a frequent guest of the show, the legend from Sports Illustrated and the Monday Morning quarterback back in the day more recently NBC Sports Peter King our Spartanburg correspondent has sent us his best audio from Ron Rivera Luke Keekley and Cam Newton those Panthers updates a lot more NFL with Will Brinson some fun golf talk with Curtis Strange and the first Olympian from Team USA in the 2020 Olympics. That'll be Ashley Twitchell. She will drop by in hour number three. 1-800-849-2761. Your phone calls, those headlines, lots of football, and a little bit on a lot of other things. 1-800-849-2761 is how you can join the fun on The David Glenn Show. I would always jump on Ryan's cart in the morning and drive down here, so I'd find a new ride down in the morning. But, uh... You know, those guys were great players, great people, great leaders on our team. But, you know, we've got some good younger guys, I think, that are coming up that can step into those voids and grow, those, those areas and grow. Welcome back to the David Glenn Show. That was Luke Keekley at Panthers Camp via Peter King of NBC Sports talking about the departed veteran linebacker and all-time Panthers favorite Thomas Davis, talking about the retired. Remember, TD is with the Chargers. He didn't stop playing. Julius Peppers retired. Luke Keekley talking about those departures. We have more Ron Rivera in his own words, Cam Newton in his own words. We'll sprinkle those throughout today's program. A quick update that I promised, and then your calls. Three great guests later, Curtis Strange of ESPN and Fox Sports on golf. The Wyndham Championship is upon us. One of the two annual PGA Tour stops here in North Carolina. Great chance for you to see many of the best players in the world. Sedgefield Country Club in Greensboro. Competitive play starts Thursday. Annika Sorensen was among those getting the festivities started yesterday. So a great week of golf for fans of that sport. Will Brinson next hour from CBS on all things NFL. And one of the first two people to qualify for Team USA at the 2020 Summer Olympics in Tokyo. She's a former Duke star. She and her family make North Carolina their home. Ashley Twitchell is going to drop by. She is a swimmer for Team USA. She clinched that bid earlier this month, and she has become, at just 30 years old, the oldest rookie swimmer from the United States in the Olympics since 1908. That is a story worth celebrating, a story of perseverance, a story of passion and effort, and y'all know how we like when people empty the effort bucket, as I use that phrase as a youth soccer coach and otherwise. Matt and Durham once in on the U.S. Soccer Federation. Just yesterday, they responded publicly in a way for the first time 
to the various complaints that the U.S. women are being discriminated against financially by our nation's governing body of soccer. Matt thinks he has part of the solution. One thing I promised, and then we'll come to your calls. NFL, baseball trade deadline, a crazy golf story, and your calls, 1-800-849-2761. So why were almost 40 professional golfers without their clubs yesterday on what was supposed to be a practice day for a major golf championship? The answer involves a lost passport a very large van designed to carry lots of golf equipment, rush hour traffic, a missed ferry ride, and in the end, some extremely unhappy LPGA pros. Now, Darren, as we go to the calls, here's your real life. You don't need to be a sports fan to decide whether you do this or that. This is just a life question. Lexi Thompson is one of the most prominent golfers on the women's side from the United States of America. She forgot her passport at her recent event. She left it in her golf bag. And a lot of the golfers, you typically move on to the next venue and you let other people worry about your equipment getting there. So she places the call to a guy named Ian Wright. Ian's been in the golf business forever. He once caddied, for example, for one of the great internationals of all time, Seve Ballesteros on the men's side. Same guy is still in the business. And among other things, he drives the golf van. Ian Wright gets the call from Lexi Thompson. You're not going to believe this, but I've left my passport in my golf bag that is in the back of your van. And even though you're heading to the Women's British Open, I am heading somewhere else. And you can't just say, but I'm Lexi Thompson when it's time to get on an international flight. I can promise you that is not the case. Not in 2019, maybe never. She can't get on the plane unless she has her passport. Ian Wright has the bags of 38 other players in the back of his van as he heads to England for the Women's British Open. What do you do? Do you cater to the one, the undeniably compelling Lexi Thompson, or do you cater to the group and just say, as I might to my own child, hey, you screwed up. You're learning a lesson the hard way. Don't leave your passport in your golf bag. Take better care, Anthony and Avery. Darn it, how many times do I have to tell you these things? Well, Lexi's a grown woman, of course. Maybe Ian doesn't want to use that tone. Do you try to keep everybody happy, Darren? Do you say, if I turn this van around and I get Lexi your passport, and now I'm behind schedule, maybe I can just turn around, and I don't know, they got the Audubon in one part of of, uh, Europe. Maybe they have other really fast roads for your specially equipped golf van as well. What are you going to do? You're going to cave to Lexi, who made the mistake, putting at risk, and you're not sure how much risk, the 38 other golf bags in the back of your van, and getting them to their owners in time to practice for the Women's British Open. What are you going to do? Are you turning around or not? Well, uh, all right, so what are the moving parts? Lexi is headed somewhere internationally. Is she also heading to London or no in this case? No. Okay. Uh, (laughs) That would have made things simpler. Yeah, it would have. I mean, it's still... Still complicated in its solution, if that's the case, but this that makes it way more difficult. The end result, of course, 
traffic was backed up. He turned around. He went and got Lexi your passport. So Lexi's living happily ever after. Sure, and I guess he eventually is going to make it to the British Open. So maybe you delay the group, but ultimately things turn out okay and they can still play in the tournament. We all like to make people happy. This dude's thinking I can get Lexi your passport. I can make that he needed to catch a ferry by a certain time. You know, one of those drive-on ferries. Well, there was more traffic than he thought. And Lexi threw him behind schedule. And he missed the ferry. And because the next ferry isn't for quite a while, you have 38 professional golfers preparing for one of their biggest tournaments of the year, and they do not have their own equipment. And it's not like, you know, Caddyshack, and you can just ask Carl Spackler to grab a, a set out of the back. I mean, you're in tune with your own clubs, right? You're using them starting on Thursday. There was a ruckus, as much as there can be on the LPGA Tour. Fellow LPGA Tour member Ryan O'Toole said, I don't know why that driver would agree to accommodate one person knowing that it would punish about one-third of the field here at the British Open, the driver should have said, hey, I've got to get these clubs to Woburn. That's the site of the event. If you want the passport, somebody's going to have to fly there to get it and then bring it back to you. Lexi's agent said forgetting her passport was an honest mistake. She had no idea that retrieving it would cause the delay that it did or that it would impact other players the way it did she she would never have wanted something like that to happen A little lpga fracas on this tuesday afternoon 1-800-849-2761 matt is in durham and wants in on a soccer question i have reminded people for months as the u.s women's national team was on its way to yet another championship at the women's world cup a lot of people lump the equal pay fair pay equitable pay conversations into one pile it is just outrageously inappropriate to do that. There are two separate debates. Now, you might have the most intelligent, informed opinion on either one, but if you're lumping them together, you, you absolutely have no idea what you're talking about, so please stop doing that, at least if you want to contribute to an intelligent conversation the way, despite fierce resistance from on high, we're trying to do here in the United States of America. The U.S. team won the Women's World Cup and got tiny paychecks compared to what the winner of a men's World Cup would get. That is a FIFA, international governing body of soccer issue. The U.S. is one of literally hundreds of voices in the room. You can't blame it all on the United States that the economic model for the men is huge compared to the much smaller economic model for the women. Now, you can still have a philosophical debate. Hey, you got to pay the women more fairly because you, FIFA, we're holding them back for decades. Maybe the economic models would be a little more similar if for 70 years you were throwing a men's World Cup and yet resisting when the women wanted to have more of their own. So, of course, there's a philosophical conversation and there's also the practical conversation. The FIFA folks are saying, well, wait a minute. We can't pay everybody the same when we're making this much money on the men's side and only a tiny fraction on the women's side. We can't pay everybody equally. you got to meet us halfway on this, and it's not even halfway, but you get the idea. Totally separate debate is how does the U.S. Soccer Federation, FIFA International Governing Body of Soccer, we're only one voice. We are the voice. Our, this is the government-sponsored governing body. This is a, a branch, if you will, of the United States of America government saying, you, U.S. Soccer Federation, you decide how we approach international soccer and, and our 
grassroots soccer here in the United States of America. In both contexts, there's a disparity of pay. And in the America-only context, when the women clearly are winning a lot more than the men, you get the idea of the request and demand for equal pay and even the lawsuit that the U.S. women's national team has already filed. The U.S. Soccer Federation responded yesterday basically saying that in according to their accounting, the picture has been misrepresented by women's soccer players and their supporters in the United States. And they broke it down that as long as you include certain money, they went back from 2010 to 2018, they say that women's players were paid $34 million over that roughly eight-year period, and men's national team players were paid $26 million over that same period. Now, that's leaving out the money you get when you make an advance in the World Cup. The women do that every time. The men sometimes miss the World Cup entirely. Some are saying, well, how can you leave out that big chunk of money and still have a fair conversation? It's complicated. I sometimes roll my eyes at those who run to opposite corners because it's way more complicated than the people at opposite ends of the spectrum are suggesting that it is. In my experience, and I've been a mediator, I worked as an attorney for 17 years, I know these details fairly well. In my experience, the folks in one corner are essentially denying the economic realities of the, of the soccer world. And for a lot of reasons, the women are not bringing in nearly the revenue in the, in the worldwide basis. It is different here at home. The folks at the other end of the spectrum only point at economics. And it is not fair to only point at economics when you were part of the reason that the women got a later start and the women have a smaller economic model. At some point, there's a fairness issue in there. And I'm the last guy to tell you that the economics don't matter. As a mediator, I'd love to see the sort of angry, narrow-minded people in opposite corners just come out of their corners and say, wow, you know, there is a philosophical part of this. And for the other folks to say, wow, there is an economic reality part of this. There's, I can't tell you this, the perfect stroke of genius where the happy medium is. I can tell you that the angry people at both corners, doesn't this apply regularly in the sports world and in our country right now, the angry people at both corners are playing to your ignorance. They're playing to your ideological anger rather than following the facts and the evidence to a common sense conclusion. Few things bother me more than that as a sports radio host and as an American. I am here to help you with that happy medium, if not run for public office, because God knows we need that. Matt and Durham, you're next on the David Glenn Show. Welcome to the program. Buckle up, DG. I'm about to give you your perfect solution. Lay it on me. Just kidding. Uh, I really wanted to get your take on it, given your legal background. So the, the tennis world has the WTA and the ATP yeah. as two separate governing bodies. Is it a viable solution, and what's the what's the headache involved in separating U.S. Soccer Federation into two different governing bodies? And it, was, it seemed like the CBAs that they negotiated were so different when you talk about retirement benefits, health care, base salary, bonuses that it seemed like the men and women's teams actually negotiated different mechanisms. You're correct. You've done your homework clearly. A lot of people don't even realize this. Listen, I'm all about girl power. I'm all about equal pay or equitable pay is the better phrase in my opinion. Uh, I have a supercharged daughter who's a soccer player and a straight-A student and all about feminism and the, the good things therein. At the same time, 
I hear a lot of arguments about the demand for equal pay from people who don't even realize that the women, without guns pointed at their head, signed one collective bargaining agreement, structured one way, and the men signed a very different agreement. In any world, adults have to be willing to live up to a deal that they sign voluntarily, right? So if the deal that you sign, you can sign one that's high on, in, on incentives and bonuses, or you can sign one where the ceiling's not quite as high, but the guarantee is a little bit higher. Every negotiation I have ever been a part of, you got to pick what your priority is, right? Do you want it to be more merit-based so that if you just keep hitting home runs and winning World Cups, you hit a really high ceiling, or do you want to protect the downside? And, hey, if things don't go as well in some years versus others, we're still protected, and the lowest-paid people in our totem pole are still getting a livable wage, et cetera. In no negotiations do you get both. It just doesn't work that way. So the men signed one kind of deal. The women signed a different kind of a deal. In the WTA-ATP situation, you may know more about the parallels in tennis than I do, but my understanding is that the WTA also is a worldwide organization. Right? Yeah. 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 So the so Women's Tennis Association and the Association of Tennis Professionals. Yeah. So that's different. Like ATP and WTA would be more like FIFA. FIFA is the international governing body of soccer, and they lump men's and women's under their umbrella. And they, no doubt about it, neglected women's soccer for a long time. And, and some of the cavemen at the top of FIFA, who had not only been caught repeatedly on bribery schemes and other forms of corruption, I mean, um, among the worst we've ever seen in the international sports word, world, just truly disgraceful people. On top of the corruption, they've been cavemen when it comes to just viewing women's athletes. Our country has embraced the woman athlete in a much better way. I know there are these fair-paid discussions and debates and sometimes they get angry but compared to much of the world we're really progressive about encouraging women you know title nine and gender equity law that's written into our laws in the united states of america that's not a small thing that's a country saying it's so important to us that we're adopting title nine this is back when i was a kid 1970s you don't have women flourishing in athletics the way you do in our country without Title IX slash gender equity. Anybody who tells you differently is completely clueless and out of their mind. So we're ahead of the curve. Meanwhile, you've got these cavemen at FIFA, like, patting the women's player of the year on the tail. I mean, and, like, complimenting their miniskirt as they're going up to accept an award. I mean... That is like Archie Bunker of the United States. They're like 50 years behind the concept of embracing the wonder that is what American women can do as athletes. So, so in that context, I'm not optimistic about like FIFA under its current leaders, you know, treating women fairly. They're, they're slowly making progress, but they're, um, too many of them are cavemen, and that's a generational thing. And they just have to die. Cavemen have to die for the rest of us to make progress on these issues. And in the United States, I, I don't know. It would be interesting to hear what the U.S. women's national team leaders and players would say. Would it be good for them to break away? Would it be good for them, to, for the U.S. Soccer Federation, to break in two? Uh, and I'll let you chime in on that, Matt, if you want. But right now, one of the efficiencies and advantages is that when you approach a sponsor, instead of having – two separate sales forces, you, U.S. soccer, are out there 
pursuing sponsorship and partnership money on behalf of both. And if you broke into two, I don't know how it would go. Maybe the U.S. women would make even more money because they're more successful. Um, I don't know. Maybe the U.S. men would have more experienced salespeople and, and just contribute to this divide. Again, I don't have all of those answers, but there are, there are some truisms. One of them is that the FIFA World Cup debate is different than the Soccer Federation debate here in the United States. And the other is it's not purely philosophical or purely economic. Like, to me, the fair person has to embrace both of those things. And even at the World Cup level, th the numbers are almost unbelievable. When you dig into the details just a little bit and you look at revenue numbers and payout numbers, the total revenues for the, US, for the Women's World Cup in France, total revenues was less than $200 million, okay? Total revenues brought in by the 2019 Women's World Cup in France. The total revenues brought in by the 2018 Men's World Cup in Russia was about $6 billion with a B. So what would that be, 30 times? 30 or more times the revenue. Now, when you start putting out prize money, the women g divided 30 million and the men divided 400 million. So that's 13 times as much. So you know what the FIFA people are saying? Hey, wait a minute. I've got a men's, men's World Cup model that's 30 times the size. It's cranking out 30 times more the Women's World Cup, and yet we're th this is their point of view, we're only paying the men 13 times more. We're already meeting you halfway, is their view of things. Of course, women's athlete advocates will say, well, wait a minute, the disparity, you, you helped cause this huge disparity and big difference between these two economic models, so of course you should be part of the solution as well. 1-800-849-2761. More on the NFL. What's Jerry Jones' message right now to his holdout running back, Ezekiel Elliott? It's not one that I think will make Zeke happy. Curtis Strange on golf in 15 minutes. Will Brinson on the NFL in 45 minutes. Ashley Twitchell of Team USA and the great state of North Carolina. She's headed to the Tokyo Olympics next summer. Earlier this month, she became one of the two, first two people in any sport from our country to qualify for the 2020 Summer Olympics. We'll get her unique story when she drops by in hour number three. Mason in Greensboro wants to jump in on one of the topics of the day. 1-800-849-2761 is how you can join us on the David Glenn Show. Welcome back to the David Glenn Show. One thing I promised, then more of your calls on the NFL and other headlines of the day. Curtis Strange on golf next hour. Will Brinson on the NFL next hour. Ashley Twitchell, Team USA Olympian from our backyard. She's headed to Tokyo and the 2020 Summer Olympics, one of the first to qualify. And at 30 years old, the oldest rookie swimmer from our country to qualify for the Olympics since 1908. What was Jerry Jones' message for his star running back, Ezekiel Elliott, as he continues his holdout? It is not one that I think Zeke wants to hear, but here's the reality. Jerry Jones, and these are fighting words if you're Zeke Elliott. Zeke Elliott, remember, number four overall in the NFL draft in 2016. Since then, he's had two full seasons. You know what he did both of those seasons? He led the NFL in rushing. The only other year, remember, he was suspended for part of the year, so the gross numbers were not as large. Still, he has averaged as a cowboy 
more than 100 yards per game on the ground and 34 total touchdowns in his time in Dallas. He's holding out. He wants more money. Running back's a dangerous position. You all know the rest of that. Well, Jerry Jones said either late yesterday or earlier today to a guy who is scheduled to make a better chunk of money this year but doesn't want to put his body at risk for that number. Jerry Jones said this, one of the dilemmas at running back right now is that this league knows you can win Super Bowls without an Emmitt Smith back there or even without a, a Zeke back there. And he went into details. Clearly, Jerry Jones did his homework on this one. It is actually rare for an NFL rushing leader to also be a Super Bowl champion. You know the last time it happened? Terrell Davis led the NFL in rushing in 1998 while winning the Super Bowl with the Denver Broncos. So I'm no math major, but I believe that's 21 years ago. So, of course, you want a game-changing running back. But when you can sit and Jerry Jones said, hey, we did it when Emmitt Smith was leading the NFL in rushing and the Cowboys won the Super Bowl way back earlier in the, in the 90s. Yeah, of course we want Zeke on the field. But when it comes to leverage and negotiating power, that 21-year drought is a powerful one. And that is one that Zeke has to stare in the face as he decides whether to report to camp and just deal with the terms that he's already signed up for or whether he's going to extend this holdout into more dangerous territory on the calendar. We'll get into more of those details with Will Brinson, senior NFL writer for CBS Sports, when he joins us in 45 minutes. We're back after this on The David Glenn Show. Many of the best golfers in the world are right here in North Carolina as Sedgefield hosts another PGA Tour event. Curtis Strange has been one of the best golfers in the world. He's now a great analyst for ESPN Fox Sports. We'll talk all things golf with Curtis Strange next on The David Glenn Show.